go. All right, welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. I got Shane, I have Brandon with me. I'm Robert. Say hi, guys. Hello, hello. How's it going, everybody? Hola. Hola. Uh, <laughs> today we are starting the show. Uh, we've done some hard shows um, in the past. Uh, the Kobe show, uh, as you know, Shane can attest, is probably one of our hardest shows we've ever had to do. Yeah, easily. And... and this is another one, at least for the first 10 minutes of this. Uh, we wanted to speak on George Floyd, uh, the horrible uh, killing of George Floyd, and the protests that have happened over the past week uh, in a truly sad and difficult week for America. Uh, but we also wanted to talk about more particularly how the sports world has uh, viewed this past week. Um, and how it's reacted, uh, how our world, the world that we live in, the world that we cover, uh, the sports world has reacted to these difficult events of the past week. Um, who would like to go first? Uh, I can go first, I guess, since I'm the one who suggested we talk about this. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Um, I mean, if you want to go first, Shane. No, go for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, I, the 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 thing that I thought the kind of made me think about talking about this was thinking about the way that um, sports teams really respond to situations like this, and mainly the way that the NFL responds to situations like this. And a lot of the time, I think you guys could agree with me. The NFL has a pretty poor track record of responding to uh, situations that are civil rights based or, or based within African-American communities. Um, They have not, there are a lot of teams that that do not do the best job of responding right away. And this got me thinking about the fact that I'm so grateful. I don't know if grateful is the, the right word, but, happy to be a fan of a team that does a great job Mm -hmm. all the time of responding to situations like this in the Seattle Seahawks. And it just, it shows that the, the environment that they set up there where Pete Carroll allows his players to be themselves and encourages them to be themselves. Isn't just talk because they have been the most vocal team in this whole, this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have had the Steelers talking. They, they have, but then you also get some teams like Dallas who are just not under, not reading the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I think, um, I, I think, what was really an eye opener when we're talking about the NFL, I've been focusing actually more primarily on the NBA's uh, focus on these issues. Cause they've been the most vocal league um, as a whole uh, when it comes to difficult situations uh, in racial inequality and all, you know, in, in this particular situation, but with the NFL yesterday, a bunch of players basically came out and did like a PSA and I watched a good portion of the PSA. And I thought it was really interesting just to see the players coalition. I think that the players coalition in the NFL 
has really empowered the players, not only in this situation, but over the past few years to work together as a unit to create change and how these athletes have used their platform, which is a really big platform of, you know, people who think of these athletes as idols and as part of our day-to-day lives. And especially in the NFL with the players coalition and how they've responded, I think has been really amazing to see. Uh, Shane, what has been your perspective on the past week in the sports world? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've just, I, like many others, have, you know, I've done a lot of listening uh, in the last week or so, just listening to all the different perspectives out there and um, different ways people are helping and how even I could help, you know. Um, and, you know, something that I noticed, I forget who it was who said this, but he said, you know, as athletes, we um, we sometimes, you know, kind of forget about some of these certain injustices and issues that face the black community in America or, or wherever for that matter. Um, because you know, they have a lot of money and, and, uh, you know, people look up to them and they, they're kind of on this, on this pedestal, if you will. Um, but in reality, I mean, you know, like you said, they have such a big outreach of people and, um, you know, we're in a day and age where athletes are much more vocal about, this kind of stuff than they ever really have been. Uh, I mean, and a lot of that is because of social media, because I mean, 10 years ago, if something like this was happening, you probably wouldn't have heard much from athletes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, like LeBron, obviously he's been um, a big voice through all of this. I, I mean, I've heard, um, more about him than any other athlete in the last week or so, uh, just based off of things that he has said or whatever, uh, which is good because I mean, he has, I mean, he has a giant following, obviously. I mean, he's arguably the best athlete in the country right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, overall, it's just kind of a, it's a crazy world we live in right now. Um, you know, I'm glad that so many people are coming together to, uh, and, you know, strangers on social media and at protests or whatever are coming together to, uh, you know, fight this and make a change. And, and that, uh, you know, I'm confident that something will happen because, I mean, there's, there hasn't been this much vocalization from so many people to this scale in a long, long time, if ever. And, um, you know, so having all these athletes and you know, famous people, whether it's actors or singers or whatever, in on the conversation, too, it's, um, you know, that's a big thing, obviously. I, I think what's been eye-opening, and I mentioned this with the Players Coalition, but I have looked more at, at the NBA. As I said, they're probably the most vocal league when it comes to this situation. Oh, for sure. And 
not only LeBron, but to see Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown host protests in their cities. And I think Jalen Brown drew, drove like, I'm not sure if it was Jalen, it was, I'm, I'm confusing the athlete, but he drove 15 hours to peacefully protest in Atlanta. Uh, to see even guys like Brad Stevens, the Celtics coach, be like, I'm with you here, you know? And then uh, yeah. I, I, and uh, there's an, uh, Damian Lillard was at a protest and to see that was amazing. Uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were at the protest in Oakland the other day. And that image uh, really was an eye opener for me. Uh, I mean, but you, then, had, you had in Seattle alone, you had, I mean, Jamal Crawford, yeah, showing up to protest, and then you also had guys like UW's assistant coach Will Conroy organizing a rally where players like Brianna Stewart, Jamal Crawford, Zach Levine, Isaiah Thomas, Jewel Lloyd, Spencer Hawes, and Brandon Roy all showed up to right to this event. And I, I think the most important thing I think that will change the narrative in sports in a whole was something I heard today um, from uh, one second, from Maria Taylor on first take where she said this is the first time that she's felt like she's able to speak openly about these things mm-hmm. on, on TV, like speak openly in these forums about issues to do with African-Americans in sports. And and I think there's something tr- there's a truth to that, like it it's always it's always been something where people have talked about it but not really talked about it, like, mm-hmm. um. And I think, yeah, it's great. Like, and the NBA is leading the way because they're always they are the ones who usually lead the way. But you look at um. It's, it's interesting because it's a situation where it's made me think about players who I usually, I usually don't agree with them on a lot of things. And I think they're usually, they come across usually pretty negative to me. But in this situation, I think Aaron Rodgers has actually had the best statement from an NFL player. Oh my, I love what he said. And, and honestly, I, it was, it did it was a lot, amazing. It, it honestly did a lot to me to change my perspective on him. Like maybe throughout the year, if I hear, I'll go back to thinking he's a whiny baby, but like this will always be the way he responded to this situation will always impact me in the way I think about him, because it makes me realize that he is someone who you, there's two sides to everyone. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, people it makes me realize that as someone who wants to be involved in sports media you have to be able to separate the person from the sports athlete yeah um so and i i think there there's so much to be said for that i think aaron uh was i mean what he wrote was incredible but i think i think that how do i put this i think that there there's so much to say in terms of the athlete being vocal and the impact it makes. And I think clearly from this discussion that we've already had, how much it's sort of impact, not only our view on the athlete, but the culture of a league and how they want to change things or the culture of players in a league or coaches or 
owners or whatever. Like, I think there, there's, that's been sort of a beacon of light in this or sort of something that's enlightened us is to see these athletes as people who have gone through these situations. Russell Wilson told his story back in 2014, right? And to see how visibly impact he was with this. And I think there's so that those stories are going to resonate with people because as we talked about, these athletes are a huge part of our lives, you know? Um, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say something about Wilson actually, because I saw the video of him talking about that and he just seems, you know, he, I mean, he's a, he's a very optimistic guy and he's generally very, very happy and, the way that he, the way that I saw him in that interview, in that radio interview, or, you know, whatever it was he was doing, he just, I mean, you could just see that he was hurt and that he's just angry and, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. I mean, you know, all this stuff is ridiculous. It's just with, you know, he shouldn't have to fear for his children's lives when they go to a gas station i mean come on like you know what i mean and um yeah i mean it's just it's i don't know you you know you see these kinds of responses from people like him and that you know as as a white guy like myself you know that really puts things into perspective if you will it's yeah you know um yeah and and, yeah. and listening to not only his story, which I've seen bits and pieces of, but also um, on Late Night with Seth Meyers, Amber Ruffin, one of her writers, has uh, one of his writers has opened the show with a story about her experiences with the police. And those have really been eye-opening too. Just to hear these stories makes you realize why this needs to change and the kind of impact that we can have or that everyone can have to, to change this difficult thing that or this important and difficult thing that has happened in our world you know i think yeah. it's, it's to hear those stories really makes you understand like yeah that this is this is not just something that's being talked about it's really happening and i i never thought that it was just something that people are talking about but to hear those actual stories it really sets it into such a deeper perspective than the or perspective you already had that it's wrong and terrible but it goes up a little bit more if that makes sense yeah and it makes you realize just just how important all these protests are the people that are doing peaceful protests and what mission they're trying to 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 show and what mission they what things they want changed i should say and i think that's been really important on well, the biggest thing too is that you know something compared to you know, other movements from, or I should say for the, you know, black community in the past is that they all were mostly just, you know, black Americans fighting, but this is everyone. I mean, you're seeing, you know, I've, I've seen so many people and athletes, celebrities, whatever of, every identity you know regardless of race gender sexual orientation whatever who are coming out and speaking about this which is which is what i think really needs 
to happen in order to make real changes that everyone 100%. has to, you know, has to want to change instead of just the race it affects, if that makes sense. You bring up a really important point, Shane, about how everyone is sort of, is sort of unified in this message, including yeah. us here. And I think that that is so important to realize, like everyone is unified under this message. And especially during this time where this is the biggest story in America, rightfully so, it, it is going to create change and it will be a process, but we are continuing to make the steps. And one of the biggest steps is everyone saying, hey, this is, this is not right. And we have to continue to make change. And to see that at such a heightened level that this tragic, tragic, terrible situation has, it's, it's just, it's been stronger than I think we would have imagined. And that's the best thing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, I mean, obviously what happened to George Floyd is, yeah, it's horrifying. Um, 100%, yes. But in a way, you know, I'm, 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 I don't want to say thankful, but it's, it's good that that was caught on video and spread viral so that it, cause that was, I mean, that was really the thing that spurred all this to happen. Uh huh. And, um, you know, cause you, know, you can't argue with what happened in a video. I mean, mm-hmm. there it was, it's like, yeah, okay, this is clearly wrong. Let's do something about this. Cause you know, if that hadn't been on video, I don't know if any of this yeah. would have happened. I think we all would have just heard about it and said, Oh, that's sad. And then just continued on. Yeah. I, I think, you know? I think, I think what you're trying to say, Shane, more particularly is that the memory of it and of George Floyd and of his life will forever sort of be attached to what has happened this past week. The positive pieces of what's happened this week about us wanting yeah. to create change. That memory is so important. And I think that's what people need to remember about not only Floyd, but every other terrible situation that has happened uh, to yeah. African-Americans throughout this whole hundred year period. Um, or more. Or more. Right. So definitely. And I also do want to bring up and Brandon, I, I want to bring you back in this conversation as well, but I, I think Steven Jackson also being a childhood friend of Floyd's, he's been very frustrated and rightfully so, but to also see the picture of him with Floyd's daughter at the protest that, you know, really touched me in the fact that, you know, he's, he's not only an athlete with a big platform or a former athlete with a big platform, but he also, he's also directly impacted by this. This is his childhood friend and he's trying to do this in honor of his memory as well. Uh, Brandon, any, anything else you want to add to uh, what Shane and I have already spoken to? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I think the biggest thing just to conclude uh, from all of us here, I think, the biggest message that we hope to spread through this conversation is that continue to be unified uh, about uh, racial inequality here in the U S and around the world, continue to um, create change and, you know, be a positive influence um, to create change uh, during this difficult situation. And I hope that we've been able to shed a light on some of these athletes and, and, and people in our world and in, in the sports world who have 
who have done this and we hope that you can follow their lead and also follow just everyone's lead in a positive change uh, towards eliminating racial equality in the U.S. Yep, and, and uh, you know, spread knowledge, obviously. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, I mean, there are people out there that are ignorant. and um, But, you know, don't, don't, um, don't get mad at them. Instead, treat it as an opportunity to say, well, you know, let's talk about this. Let's, right, let's have an open you know, conversation. Choose, choose kindness instead of hate. Mm-hmm. And because you know unity is what will move us forward not division and i think um one of the biggest things is on our show we have disagreements about things and about sports and about different teams or what have you but at the end of the day we always have a respectful open conversation about that and we respect each other's opinions and yeah we might have arguments about it but at the end of the day it's it's all love because we all care about sports and we care about what sports is and what it means to us and why it's a unifier as a whole and i hope that with this situation we can learn to continue to sort of respect each other's opinions but also use each other's opinions to educate to learn to grow as people and as a society and i think that should be our ultimate thing as we do in sports all the time with people having different opinions or being fans of different teams, we can do the same thing here and I'll be unified on one team at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. I mean, not that, um, I mean, this is obviously a a much more severe situation than sports, but right. Yeah. But I I think what I'm trying to say is that that's kind of at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we all have different opinions on things, right? We all have different opinions on things, but at the end of the day, we can all still, be unified as people be connected as people because we love a different we love sports but we also in this particular situation want to create change and change the world and make the world especially our country who's been dealing with this for so many horrible years to create positive change and we have i mean we have made change we have come a long ways but we still have more to go. And I think that's okay. what I've been learning for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. So let's move on uh, to our normal rundown. Uh, we hope you appreciated uh, that conversation. We try to be as open as possible, especially during this difficult situation. So thank you for those of you who suck around and listen to uh, that whole piece. Um, so, all right. So let's get to our normal rundown. Uh, Agent Wojnarowski has reported that the NBA will be going to Orlando. Basketball is back. Uh, they are doing a 16-day regular season, five to six games per day. Each team will have eight games regular season, and then we will have the seven normal seven-game playoffs in Orlando at the Worldwide of Sports Complex in Disney. Um, and we're going to have 22 teams in this format. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts to the NBA finally returning? And they're going to start on July 31st. Um, I'm glad that we're like, look, sports are sports. I'm happy that we're getting NBA. I think it'll be very strange coming out of this cloud of no sports. And, like, let's be honest, I've stopped considering, ever since I found out, like, we could get NBA back, I've stopped considering 
NASCAR as a sport. Um, <laughs> but I never did. <laughs> oh my god! I was fooling nice. myself, Shane. I was trying to <laughs> myself. No, I love NASCAR, uh, though. Come on, whatever. Guys. No, I know. Uh, anyways, yeah, June. So I'm excited. I think Orlando makes sense. Um, I'm not so thrilled with the what is it eight game regular season. Yeah, Me the neither. eight game basically I exhibition warm up thing. I think it's dumb. You already had the standings from enough games to prove who's the best teams that should be in the playoffs. I do agree with Robert in that if they were going to do a play some sort of games, do like a four game, like a three game round robin for the eighth seed or something. Yeah, basically yeah. do like basically do basically compete for the eighth seed. See. So here's all the teams that are going to Orlando. We know about the top eight teams. Then we got the on the West, we got the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns who all be going to Orlando. And then the East, you got the Wizards who, I'll be honest, I think they're already out of the East anyway, uh, even though they've been pushing that they can get in. Um, I think that the East is already done. So wait, are they reseeding? Are they doing the games to reseed like all the teams into one bracket? Or is it? I like think it, an no, east it's, west st- thing? it's it's still east west, I believe. So I'm confused about that then because I'm like, not. Let me look. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's still east west. Because then why would they need to reseed? That's so dumb. That's like that's like assuming that would make it so like assuming the Raptors lose eight games, they would drop all the way down to like. Yeah, well, Six, the the eight game, stupid. the eight games are gonna matter, right? So like the eight games are gonna matter in terms of the standings, which it gives yeah. teams like the Blazers an opportunity to basically get back in or the. Pelicans. I I feel like yeah, I feel like this whole eight game thing is honestly just an attempt to try and get the Pelicans in there. It totally is. Well, as I've talked about Zion, Zion well, and, and the Blazers, Zion. and the Blazers, right? But, yeah, but I do I feel know. like it doesn't make sense. We had 30 games left. Now, I think the East is done. I really do. I think that the East should have stayed oh, the yeah. same. And then the West, they should have had something for the eighth seed. Because well, as, the, I mean, the right, seeding in the, in the East could change. But I think it's those eight are set. I think they should have done Pacers, 76ers, should have had one game to decide that. And Nets Magic should have played one game to decide whether who's eight and who's seven, and who's six and who's five. Because you know, uh-huh. yeah. But and then I, I could do a three-game series between Thunder, Rockets, Mavs, and then do it for the eighth seed. I don't know, like, like get. I mean, I I don't know. I just feel like they should have had like a play-in tournament for the eighth seed with some of these West teams. Probably, I would say. I mean, ah. I think the Blazers and the Pelicans were easily the two, but I think you probably put the Kings in there or something, and then you have like a tournament for the eighth seed, and that would have made more sense. But again, they also need exhibition games, so I wonder why they're just like, oh, we're going to do an eight-game regular season. How about just do an eight-game like exhibition series, like a preseason to kind of get these guys rolling again, and then just go with – then just do the eighth-seed playoff in the yeah. West, and then we're good to go. Let's let's play some basketball. You know, let's play some playoff basketball. Then the other question is that we have to talk about is that's a pretty quick turnaround after this season ends. It's a massive turnaround. Yes, it is. It's it's massive. Free agency starts like the week after. I think it starts like what October. Yeah. Fifteenth. 
Like the so, fact so that we're going to so be. So here are the main dates. Excuse me, Brandon. The main oh, dates. Sorry. Training camp is June 30th. July 7th, they travel to Orlando. And then they start the regular season on July 31st. Free agency is October 18th. They're expected to finish the finals around October 14th or 15th. And the 2021 targets are November 10th training camp, or November 1st, or excuse me, December 1st opening night, and that's via Shams. So basically, so, they're going to be ending their season when they would usually be starting preseason. And pretty much, yeah. Starting yeah. their season, which what in what would be in usually two months into the season, right? Yeah, yeah, no, basically. Yeah. So here's my question. Does this permanently make the NBA now a start in December thing? No, it does not. Um, it, it, they are going to start in December and basically make it. So remember the lockout, right? Remember the. What are they just it? making it a shorter season? Yeah, they're just making 2021 shorter, starting in December 1st, ending in June, and then restarting the calendar to 82, starting in 2022. Okay. So it's basically like a lot. It's basically like the 2011 lockout season. They started on Christmas Day. They did it like a what a 56 game season, and they did the playoffs, and then they came back the next year with the full schedule. So I mean, this it's not like it's really impacted that much. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to get a lot of games in. Right. I also yeah. think it's going to be wildly intense because they're making it a summer league thing. So imagine ESPN and TNT are going to have games on from like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night. Like, there's literally going to be – it's going to be, like, March Madness every day for, like, two months. Cool. Of just, like, basketball all day. Except gonna, it'll be played in – it'll be, like, it'll be like NBA G League. It's going to be, like, the Summer League, basically. Yeah. Because the Summer League had games all yeah. day. And then uh, the draft lottery is August 25th, with the draft being held on October 15th. I think we can all agree that we're all hyped about – NBA on TNT coming back. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be really fun to get some basketball. And I just wonder how this is going to – because, like, they're thinking about do we do crowd noise. It was just reported before we came on air that they're thinking about using NBA 2K sounds for the crowd noise. Like a noise. laugh trick. Like a – yeah, or something. Just like, laugh I, at <laughs> bad teams. It's like just have someone recording going, you so Laugh at the magic. <laughs> oh, God. Or the suns. I, I I I do want I just honestly just give me just give me like freaking uh Michael Jordan Space Jam like when they like in, in the in the last dance where they all had like pickup games just make yeah. it a pickup game atmosphere have have all the normal announcers and studio shows there and then just don't worry about crowd noise and just give me like a pickup game vibe. Don't mic up the players yeah, if you don't fun. want to. Don't mic up the players if you don't want to. You don't have to. Just have like ambient sound basically and just have it be like a street ball game. It doesn't need to be filled with crowd noise or all that stuff. I don't care. I don't think people yeah. will mind. And I think it would be fun to have like a pickup game, summer league, or like, like Rucker Park style basketball. You know, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the NBA is going to have crazy viewership. Oh my god, it's gonna when be when they insane. come back. It's gonna be insane. Yeah, 
It's going to be wild. I don't know. I, I, we're probably going to have to record super late at night because we're going to have to watch all these games and then come in and do the show like late at night after these games are done because we can't record during when a game is happening pretty much. I mean, we still could, but like, geez, it's going to be intense because there's going to be like four games going on at one time. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Well, you know, you just got to get your priorities straight, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's going to um, – I do wonder how the seeding will shake up, though, because, yeah. I mean, theoretically, Dallas could jump up, could very easily jump up to, like, the fourth seed, if you really think about it. Yeah, we you know what I games. mean? Yeah, so it's just, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. I'm curious. But I, I also think in, in, a, in, a, in a sport like the NBA, the teams with the, with the best players are – they don't. They're not just gonna fall off, even if they haven't been playing for like yeah. months. It's also, gonna, these are the same. No. All these players in the league, they live in houses with like courts and everything. Well, so not, not like everybody. Not okay, but a lot of them have access a lot to a court. Them do. I, I'm not saying like a house with a big court, like, but I'm guaranteeing you, every player in the NBA has a, has a net at their house. Actually, they don't. Like Jimmy Butler had to buy his whole team nets. <laughs> That's kind of shocking to me. Like. They also live in apartments. Yeah, well, some of them do. Mini hoop, like shoot little basketballs, you know. Like Jimmy <laughs> Butler, Jimmy Go Butler like bought his college. whole team. Jimmy Butler bought his whole team hoops. Did, did did none of these guys know about like little mini like college basketball hoops that you put on your door just and shoot like? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not toilet. the same though. No, it's not the same. Know. So I mean, but anyways, I, I wonder about like the Lakers and the Bucks though. Like you being at the top of the division. Like you're, or at the top of the, your perspective conferences, like you're, you're just kind of gonna look at this as like warm up games, and kind of yeah. figure it out, I mean, and then want to get straight to the playoffs. I feel like the Lakers, Bucks, and Raptors and Clippers are all gonna be like, okay, cool, we get to play like all these preseason games. Yeah, I mean, especially since like you have when you have guys like Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Suns, and Wizards. That's if you're dishing those out to some of these teams, they're gonna be like, okay, cool. Like we're not worried, and we're not even gonna play like LeBron or AD big right. minutes early on. You're just like not the, gonna do it. The Raptors have three have a three game buffer on the Celtics. I think that's enough to keep the second seed. And, and even then, like for for even these teams at the top, who cares if you drop? Yeah. You know, who cares if you drop because you're going to be comfortable. A lot of these teams at the top are just going to be like, you know, we're going to treat it like preseason games and we're just kind of run a big rotation of like 12 guys or whatever just so we can kind of get everyone's feet wet. Well, it's not like home field or home court advantage is a thing either. They're planning on doing some home court advantage thing, but nothing's really stood with that. So I don't think there's it's going to be that important. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not like the if the if uh, you know, yeah. it's like the Lakers did drop to the second seed or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you know they get to the the you know the the, the Western Finals and then they're playing like the first seed Clippers. Well, I guess they would have been in LA anyways on the road, like but, the Nuggets or something. That's so yeah. Also, that's so weird to say first seed Clippers. Because like, the, cl- the Clippers have been so have, terrible for so long. 
I know. Well, they've definitely bumped up with Balmer there. It's also funny the ideas that they've come up with for home court advantage. Like one of them that was reported, I think Woj reported this yesterday. That So they're planning – they had an idea of giving the home team possession to start every quarter or like the the home court advantage team or the theoretical home court advantage team possession to start every quarter. And there's also been this thing where it's like, if the Lakers are the one seed, we're going to have the Lakers in the like whole department bring their home floor, like the design of their <laughs> floor, and bring it to Orlando no. and set it up. It's like, that's it doesn't pretty, matter. That's pretty dumb. It doesn't matter. Like, at this point, it doesn't matter. Let's you just want to bring play. the Staples Center logo too? Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, they have some unique ideas, but it's like it doesn't really matter. Let's just play ball. And I think that's kind of what, what the league, the Players Association, are kind of like, yeah, let's just play some ball and have some fun and try to win a championship. And it doesn't delegitimize the season at all, I think. No. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. All right, let's move on to something that has caused all of us uh, remarkable frustration, at least on the sports side of things. Major League Baseball. <laughs> and uh, what has happened with them the last uh, few days. Uh, so, Ken Rosenthal said they will not send, a, or says that the MLB will not send a counterproposal to the union. The MLB, or the Players Association did a 114 game prorated salary thing. MLB didn't agree, and now they're not going to send a proposal. The owners also want the season to end around November 1st, and 100 players met digitally on Thursday and reaffirmed virtual unanimous support that they will not agree to a second reduction in pay. Um, thoughts on the ever-growing mess that is baseball? I'm just tired of talking about it. You're done. I mean, I think I made it. I think I made it pretty clear last time we talked about this. Like, either make a deal or don't make a deal, and just be done with it. Because exactly, it's honestly. And I just read, like, I just read an article today saying, like, from NBCSports.com that said there will be bat, there will be baseball this year, even if it's a fifty-game season. Like, because the league could just fall back on the deal they made initially, um, to like. Pro-rated salaries, 50-game season. Um, I guess they wouldn't pass that now, though. I mean, it was it was it was made that that was the deal that was made and signed earlier in the year. Well, um, yeah, but that was a while ago. Right, but it's there. Like they could fall back on it, and the players have apparently said like they're they would take it like to play something to do something, um, and like. But, but what I don't get is if you're really down to do that, why don't you just play the damn season? Like, stop messing around, open your minds, meet together in a situation where you were, where you were coming together with the, with the open goal that you don't care about anything else, you just care about making the season happen. Get because on right a conference now, call and make right. it work. Because every time – I've heard stories about this this season. It has been with the with the obvious thought in the background that they were not committed to making this happen. They were just like, yeah, 
Um, it says uh, Sportsnet New York. Uh, uh, Andy Martinez says there will be baseball season 2020. He says no. Uh, there's no imminent agreement between the side, but the worst case scenario for season at all seems it will be avoided as uh, that players will play. He uh, Martino reported Friday that players will play even if Major League Baseball sidesteps further negotiation and imposes a season of perhaps fewer than 50 games. But can they not do a postseason with fewer than 50, or can they still? I mean, they could do they could do a postseason. Because I, I heard that they have to do a minimum of 50 for the postseason to even work. I mean, I think they're going to do – I think they would probably play a 50-game season, but, mm-hmm. I mean. You know what's caused me more frustration this week with this – with the uh, – Again, on the sports side, of course, with the MLB. Uh, so the NBA has figured their stuff out. The NHL has already moved to phase two. I think they can start skating tomorrow, or yeah, they might have. Like yeah, I think it's tomorrow or Monday. And the I mean, M- and the MLS. Now this is this is where I was <laughs> like, "Are you kidding me?" The MLS not only has a plan or partial plan to say we're going to have like a full tournament in Orlando, by the way, everyone's going to Orlando basically, which is fine Uh, to have a like tournament style, like champions league style tournament or whatever. uh, This is just from what I've heard so far, but they also over the past three days renegotiated a CBA they literally renegotiated a CBA in a three-day span, and baseball can't sit down on a conference call and figure this out? Are you yeah, kidding me? That's because soccer players don't have an ego. It's just, it's just like, are you kidding me, man? Like, uh, and then also, by the way, you have the you have the NFL, who everyone basically is in agreement of, like, they're just walking right through this whole Corona thing, just like. We're gonna we're we're just gonna play our season, man. Like, we're, gonna, or at least we're gonna, or, gonna be fine. Or at least we're gonna be fluid with it and like make adjustments if needed, as we talk about right. the schedule, right? Like the NFL, if they, if they if these people were if they if like the different sports teams were like people, NFL's like the cool guy in the corner with like smoking a cigar with like his hat on and everything, and like in a jazz club, you got like MLS who's like the the nerd sitting at the table doing all the finances. You got, and then you got MLB, who's like the neurotic guy in the corner, like rocking back and forth, just like, we want all the money. <laughs> like, what is like the Gollum, NHL in all like this? Gollum with the ring, be like, or the NBA? Oh, yeah, what's who's the NHL oh, and who's NBA, the NBA? The NBA is like the the cool guy who's like they're like the two. They're, no, they're like the two guys that are um, you know like standing on the other corner having a nice intelligent conversation and yeah. being very agreeable. They're like, Oh yes, very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Just sign. They're like the two businessmen who get their deal done in like a world record pace. And then, uh, <laughs> and then what about the NHL? That is That's, the NHL. Yeah, that, the yeah, NFL and the, the NBA, they're like the two business guys who are like super good at getting their job done. And they're, but secretly they know they're good at their job because they get paid. I don't know. I just feel like it's funny because usually that usually around this time when the three teams that are, are that are in season are MLB, NHL and uh NBA and MLS or the four team 
MLB is usually like the the sparkling diamond at the ball. Like it's the thing everybody's looking at. It's like, oh my goodness, it's MLB season. And frankly, they're kind of making them lo- themselves look stupid right now. As a as a you know, all three of us, but like as also not only people who cover baseball, but also people who watch it and enjoy the sport, right? How how do you it just just from a let's go from a fan's perspective. When baseball comes back, let's say they don't play this year at all. And let's say twenty twenty one they're able to have fans and we can we can start talking baseball again. Are you, as a fan, do you feel some type of way towards the owners and the players and just MLB as a whole if that happens? If they don't have a season and in 2021 we can come back and there's fans, do you feel some type of way with the league where you're like, I'm, I don't know how I feel about going to a game because I'm just like frustrated with it? I mean, my my interest in in the league was already like the last – couple of years was already diminishing just because I didn't, uh, you know, quite frankly, I don't like the way it's being run, but you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, this, it, it doesn't help things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm still gonna, you know, go to ball games and have fun and stuff, but yeah, I don't don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm really going to be as interested in baseball for a while as they used to be personally. Brandon, what about your thoughts to that question? Um, you know, I'm always, I always like baseball. I like, I get it. We're in a weird scenario and like, I feel like this was going to happen at some point, um, I just feel like it's a situation. I think one of the reasons I'm not on the player's side is because they're just not – I just keep getting the feeling that they're not trying to make something happen. Mm-hmm. But I'll st- – as, as, as Shane said, I'll still go to – you know, I'll still go to um, – I'll still go to games and enjoy it. Like, I don't frankly really care. It's not going to impact it. Um, yeah. Uh, I think for me, uh, I, I think for me it's tough because I, I, I enjoy baseball. I primarily, like, enjoy opening day and the All-Star game and the postseason. That's kind of where my focus has always been with baseball. But I think – as it's it is def- with most people, I, it's definitely hurt. It's definitely hurt itself with. Um, I mean, the Astros cheating thing is more just like the Astros and all that stuff. But you know, baseball still has a lot to recover from that. And then I think in recent months, I've thought more about the fact that they haven't marketed the players as well as they should have, and 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 it, it's and then this situation, it's like I don't. I don't really know what to make of baseball because I think if you look at this year, let's say 2019 and 2020 combined in baseball, it's just, it doesn't, 
it feels more about money. It feels more about like, Hey, th these are, this is the stuff that the sport is doing wrong. And I know I've been very vocal about it and we've been very vocal about it on this show. And I think it's just been really tough. It's like, I don't, Yeah, the the way I look at it is like most leagues, like uh, you know, the NFL, NBA, NHL are going are trying to go forward, and the MLB doesn't really know what it's trying to do, and as yeah. a result, it's going backwards. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's kind of where I'm at for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm still gonna care about it the way I've always cared about it. But I'm I'm gonna always look at the MLB in a tough spot unless uh, things change yeah. like a difficult way, I guess. Um, sorry if my mic audio cut out there uh, for a bit, but uh, all right, let's move on to the NFC North. Uh, we are doing, we're continuing our division previews where this is the last division for the NFC. And we're going to go to the NFC for the next four weeks. Uh, here is the NFC North. We are beginning with the green Bay Packers. We somehow um, went thirteen and three last year. Yeah. So uh, you say somehow, Shane. Uh, why do you feel that way with the thirteen and three record from last season? Well, I mean, they weren't. I mean, they they weren't the best team. Let's be honest. Um, you know, I mean, they're kind of like. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like the Seahawks, you know, in a way of how they just always. One in very tight games um, with not a ton of talent. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, do you want me to elaborate more on that? Or <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing with the Packers for me is I keep going back to the first, let's say, month of the season and how we talked about Green Bay and how we said, oh, yeah, this team has a really good defense. And it's just, that's like Aaron hasn't had that since he won the Super Bowl in 2010, right? Yeah. And it's like – and then it just tapered off. After September, it just tapered off. And I'm just like, if they're going to want to – if they, if they want to get back to Super Bowl, the defense has to play at a level they did in the first month of the season. And I'm not sure how confident I feel about the defense – going into 2020. Yeah, I mean, they haven't – they didn't have the best offseason. Um, they probably had the worst draft, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it's um, – I mean, they, they, they turned out okay last year, but, I mean, I don't know how sustainable that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I feel like it's got to come to a point where, you know, they they begin to struggle a bit. Uh, Brandon, but, in terms of the Packers offseason uh, as a whole, what was your reaction to it? It was fairly uneventful, um, other than the NFL draft where, I mean, we all know how that went down. Um, mm -hmm. I like the Packers the Packers kind of confuse me as a team 
Yeah. Because I agree with Shane. They um I don't know how they finished thirteen and three. <laughs> because their defense was kind of trash. And they have a great quarterback with nobody to throw to. Other than Devontae Adams. And so they basically relied on an okay defense and a really good running game. Aaron Jones was unbelievable last year. And a good quarterback, but an aging quarterback mm-hmm. with it's one person to throw the thing. ball to. Now, it doesn't hurt when you play when you play Minnesota, Chicago, and the Lions four time, uh, two times a year each. Yeah. Um, I mean, Minnesota's not bad, but... Minnesota well, is, but is a solid roster. Everybody you ask who knows anything about NFL consistently will say the NFC North is the easiest division in the NFC. It's one of the weirdest no, the divisions. <sighs> the East is worse. Don't kid yourself. I mean, it's the worst. I'll put it this way. The East or at least is, last year. The East is the worst, but in the NFL, in the NFC North, when you're on top, it, you're basically just like Pac-Man, just eating away. Like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fair, but I mean, yeah. Minnesota has has put up a fight, but like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. Bears and the Lions are nothing. Like, mm. we'll, we'll we'll get to those teams. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I I I I I just think that Aaron's frustrated. I mean, that's obviously clear um they didn't get a receiver in the draft when it what you they could have taken his replacement yeah well yes <laughs> and then and then not only that but it's like they could have taken aaron's replacement in in jordan love in the first round and then taken a receiver in the second or third round they could have taken a receiver in the fifth or sixth round for all i care there's a lot of gms who have said that there's a lot of pro bowl talent in those late rounds at receiver and they just didn't do it I mean, the Seahawks get most of their talent in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah, but this is one of those seasons where there was legitimate first or second round talent at receiver in the fifth round. Yeah. So it it's like, I don't, I I wonder if they don't feel like it's a problem. If LeFleur is like, you know what, we're going to focus on the running game because we're not sure about Aaron Rodgers' future. And then we're just going to do the running game thing. That's which, the other thing. Like they got another running back. When they have, they got AJ Dillon, yeah. Yeah, when they have Jones, like, or uh, and Jamal Williams was solid last year as yeah. a rotational guy because they don't want Aaron Jones, uh, with like his small size and stature to be running away all three downs. And Jamal Williams is the perfect complementary back. Both of them were great yeah. last year, so it. <sighs> I mean, I, honestly, the only upgrade they made at receiver this offseason was getting Devin Funchess. <laughs> and I don't and I don't know how much of an impact that would really make. Um, all right, I let's mean, go. The laugh says it all. Um, so, X-Factor players for the Packers. Who would like to go first? Brennan, you can go first. Uh, I don't know. Kevin King? <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good. 
to back up the Kevin King thing, this cornerback group isn't terrible. Yeah. It's not. It's not bad. Um, honestly, Kevin King is a super good corner, and I honestly was kind of mad that the Seahawks passed on him in the draft. Yeah. I think he still has a lot of development to do. I think him and Jair Alexander are amazing talents, and they work well together. I do think that there's still a lot more development there, but I do like their cornerback group. And then their safety group is nice with Darnell Savage, who I think was injured for some of last year. Uh, and then Adrian Amos, who, who I have who always really liked. Um, Shane, what's your X factor for them? You know, I... Mm, I don't know. There's so many different guys it could be. Um... You know, one for me, you know, the, you know, we were talking about, I mean, we know all their issues offensively, but, you know, what I'm looking at is more the defense because, you know, as we talked about, that's, I mean, last year they had that great defense at the beginning and then they just kind of, you know, fell off. <laughs> and um, so I think it's, you know, going to be very important for them to keep up. And um, so I, you know, I will say, hmm, I'll say Adrian Amos because Adrian Amos, yeah. Amos, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, because, you know, he was, um, he was a very, I mean, he was a very, you know, key part of uh, that defense, I think. And, um, you know, he had, I think he had about 70 solo tackles, which is great for his safety. And, um, you know, just ha- having that guy in the back who um, has some experience amongst all these young players all around him. Um, just as kind of a an enforcer, if you will, and you know, I think that that would be. Uh, I, I think his impact will be will be big, will be key for them, mm-hmm. at least uh, defensively. I'll I'll highlight the linebacking core. Um, they picked up Christian Kirksey, uh, but I think Cesarius Smith um, was a guy. You know, he got a bunch of sacks last year. This Cedarius Smith and Preston Smith were incredible signings. I love the Packers under this new regime in the sense that they're willing to go out and get free agents, and they did that the first the first year Lafleur was there last season, getting both the Smiths. Uh, obviously, they're not brothers, but you know they kind of act like it on the field and even outside the field. Uh, they're great friends, but I think I'll go Zedarius. I think his impact of uh, rushing the passer is important to their success. And so much of what they do and how they're successful is rushing the passer and they're going to have to continue to do that. But again, I think all of us highlighting the defense shows how important, but also how successful they were the first month of the season with that defense and how that needs to be a priority for them to be successful in 2020. Yeah. I was about to go with Darius. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, offensively they could improve, but 
you know, you got, you got the Aaron's, you got Devonte. I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, it's more the, you know, just getting this defense to improve, I think is what I'm looking at. All right, Brandon, I'll get you started with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, I think the last two years have tentatively impressed me. Um, I think they've played above their caliber slightly. Um, I think they have the they have the possibility of of uh doing better this year but i think they're going to have to be on point like on like play really well because they start their season against green bay then they play indy tennessee and houston which are all winnable i think but then they play seattle and then they play Atlanta. By week. Then they got the three division games. Yeah. And then and Tampa Bay. At Tampa Bay, yeah. week 14. So, I think what they really need to do is do what they haven't really been able to do, which is win the winnable games, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the last two years they've lost games that they should have been able to win to give them that slightly better record. I I think the roster is great. But, so, one of the more interesting pieces of this offseason for the Vikings was Kirk Cousins. Uh, They extended him two seasons, primarily due to cap situations, basically. They extended him this offseason, which they did. It helps them the next three or four years with cap. But the co- extending him two years is not showing me that you're 100% there with Kurt. I, I, the hardest part with me with the Vikings is not their roster. I think their roster is Super Bowl capable. I think it's Kurt Cousins. Oh, easily. Yeah. I think it's Kurt Cousins. And a two-year contract just because of cap doesn't show me that you're clearly committed to him and that you feel that he, they can get their Kurt Cousins can get you to the promised land and get you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah I think um, – I mean, you look at their defense. Their defense, I think, statistically finished like fifth or sixth in the NFL last year. And, um, you know, they have – Kyle Rudolph is a great tight end. Uh, Thielen and Jefferson are great receivers. Dalvin Cook, he's a top five back easily. I just I don't um I don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy. Um he to me is the one piece that that is holding them back. Um and partly because I just don't I mean he was good in Washington. I don't know, maybe he just doesn't work in the system. I, I don't know. Um but I I do think that they should definitely move on from him. Um, I mean, the fact that they extended him two more years is beyond me. I would have cut him, to be honest. But, you know. Uh, you would basically let the contract run out and then let him walk. Yeah. Uh, I think it was really telling 
uh, I, I, we, Shane and I had a spirited discussion about this week one of the season. They played the, I keep going early on with the season with a lot of these NFC North teams, but that's kind of what was one of the more interesting things the first month of the season. The first week of the season, they played the Falcons. And Dalvin Cook was running all over the place. And Kurt Cousins only threw the ball 10 times. I remember that. And then, you know, you go week six, week seven of last year, and here's Adam Thielen in the press conference going like, hey, we need to throw the ball. We need to trust in Kurt. We can't just run the ball all the time. Even though Dalvin Cook's amazing, we can't. We got to, you know, get, get, get me the ball, get, you know, in Thielen, get me the ball, get Diggs the ball. And that was just a constant frustration that honestly, that's why Diggs left at the end of the day. Diggs was done because he was like, I, he's not getting the ball to me. He's not giving me a chance to create and score touchdowns and help this team be successful. And it drove him out of Minnesota. Yeah. I think a guy like Garoppolo would be good in Minnesota. I do too, yeah. As quarterback. It's kind of random, but yeah. I don't know. I've just been thinking about it. <laughs> uh, Brandon, who's your X Factor for the Vikings? Uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's always good to have a really good safety blanket tight end. And I think Kyle Rudolph is one of the best tight ends in the league. He rarely drops the ball ever. He's a big dude, but he's able to catch it. And uh, I think he's – he always has a good season. But I think without having Kyle Rudolph having a good season, you don't have any chance of having an offense that runs well. I, I think with the tight end group, uh, Kyle Rudolph is a great red zone uh, tight end for me. Uh, I think that's where he was most effective last year. Uh, But I think you also look at a guy like Irv Smith Jr., who's coming into his second year. I think they want to expand his role in the offense. I think you're you're right. I think for Kirk Cousins to be successful, it is both of these guys, not just Rudolph, but I think also Irv Smith. Um, Both of them together can add so much to this offense. So I expect both of them to actually have much bigger roles this season than they did last year. Uh, Shane, what are your thoughts for the X Factor player for this team, but also the tight end group as well? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with both of you. I mean, I think that they're both, you know, good key pieces for different reasons, um, especially for an offense like theirs. Uh, but, you know, for me, the the X Factor guy, it's just, it. To me, it's Kirk Cousins just because I think if you – if he is successful, I mean, I think this team could go like 13-3 and three and get the first or second seed in the NFC. But he hasn't proven that that is the case. And, you know, losing digs doesn't help that. So – I don't know. I mean, I, you know, maybe some miracle will happen and he'll pop off, but I don't know. Um, so that's, that's my, that's what I'm going to be looking at the most for sure. Uh, I love the moves they made on defense. They picked up Michael Pierce, who's very underrated. Um, uh, Jeff Gladney, the rookie, I think is going to have a big role right away. 
but I'll I'll go with the offense as well, and I'll go Justin Jefferson, the rookie out of LSU. Great selection. Um, yeah. Um, Zimmer was on, on the Rich Eisen show a couple of weeks ago, and he said that was a selection that we absolutely loved. Uh, we loved his talent. We loved his skill set. Um, and we were just so surprised we were able to get him at that spot. They really feel like he can be that Diggs replacement. Again, Kurt just has to get him the ball, but he has blazing speed. Uh, he has he has great route running. I just think he's he's a perfect guy for Kurt Cousins if he can only get him the ball. I just don't know what impact he'll make. But more particularly, I don't know what impact Thielen will make because he didn't have the best of seasons last year as well. So I don't know. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say Justin Jefferson because I think – having a young player like that for Kurt to throw to, uh, hopefully will get him more confidence uh, with its receiving core. Because for some reason, I think a huge reason why it hasn't worked is in some way confidence for some strange reason. Yeah. It could be. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Um I think this has been one of the more interesting pieces of us doing this show is how much we've talked about the bears. <laughs> uh, we've talked about the bears a lot uh, for one particular reason. Um, and I guess it's a simple question as it is, and it has been for this whole off season, but I'll say it again and I'll put this question out to both of you. Um, is the Mitch Trubisky era over in Chicago? Is this it? I sure as hell hope so. It should be. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I think it'll be a type of thing where they kind of phase them out. And then, you know, they start pulls like a few games into the season or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the quarterback situation in Chicago? I think they just need to go ahead and draft a new quarterback next draft because – Anybody they have there is not going to be very good. That's my opinion. I just I think they don't have. There's something weird going on in Chicago right now where they just can't find a good quarterback. They're still. I do want to go ahead, Shane. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna, I was just going to say I do want to see how Foles does because he's very hit or miss, <laughs> depending on where he goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I I think they're in a denial mode. It's the only way I can really oh, yeah. put it. I think they're in a massive denial mode about what the position is. It, it, it's been one of the most weirdest national reporting cycles of this offseason because it's pretty clear from the national media, and this was one of the things that surprised me throughout the last couple of months, it's fairly clear that the national media believes that the Trubisky era is done and that Foles is going to start week one. But then if you talk to their GM, Ryan Pace, if you talk to Matt Nagy, their head coach, they're like, we're going to have an open competition and we're going to figure this out. And it's like, I'm kind of throwing my hands up here and going, well, here's the media reporting one thing, which I think is absolutely what's actually happening in the building. Because I think what's happening in the building is they're like, yeah, Fools, Fools is our guy. We know this. And they're just saying, like, we're going to have an open competition because Trubisky, like, we want to see how this works. But let's be honest. They've already said what they need to say. They didn't give Trubisky his fifth-year option. And 
I don't know how one year is going to change that and make them want to even go to the bargaining table and pay Trubisky however much he wants. I don't know how one year is going to change that. I, I think I'm with the media on this one in saying like, hey, like, this is done. And I think Chicago already said that indirectly by making the decision to not pick up his fifth year. Yeah. I mean, if they really were committed to him, they would have done that, you know. I mean, that's what you would do with any player coming up on a fifth-year option. Especially a quarterback, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Foles on ESPN, or excuse me, Trubisky on this depth chart. Of course, this is like an early look at the depth chart from ESPN. Trubisky is number one, but I, I guess we all expect that to change. Uh, who is your X-Factor player for the Chicago Bears who would like to go first here? Well, I'll just say Foles because, I mean, I do think that he's going to start at some point eventually. <laughs> and when he does, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see if he has, you know, his Philly magic or if it's another, you know, Rams or uh, Jaguars type of thing where he's just kind of, you know, <laughs> below average guy. And, you know, because, I mean, I, I do, you know, Chicago has a pretty good roster, really, if you think about it. I mean, it's not amazing, but, you know, they got, I mean, they got some good names on there. I think they have the, they have the potential to be good. I mean, last year we all thought before the season that they were going to win the freaking division. I, I yeah. I don't. So, you know, it. So, it, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna say Foles because I, I want to know if he can come in there and play well. If they can figure out how to incorporate him into that system, good. And if you know, just see if they can win. Really. Let's keep in mind that Matt Nagy is more of a defensive coach who's brought in to be a defensive coach, while yeah, also exactly. mentoring Trubisky, and that appeared to not work. So I don't know about Foles. Uh, yeah. Brandon, your X factor for this team. Uh, maybe Khalil Mack, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why would you pick Khalil? I mean, it's pretty obvious he's the best player I mean, on this he's roster. The best player, and he's a defensive god. Yeah, I mean, sure. like, yeah. <laughs> he completely changed the thought process of this team when he came on. Um, I, I think they, they changed themselves into thinking, okay, we probably have some Super Bowl aspirations here. And th- not to deny that, because I do think this defense especially is Super Bowl capable. But again, the quarterback position, you have to get that right to make it to a Super Bowl. Um I think for me, I'll go on the offensive side. Uh, This receiving core I really like. I I love Cordell Patterson as a punt returner. He actually made the whole decade team. Uh, Amazingly, as a punt returner. That shows you how speedy he is there. Um, You know what? Yeah, I'll go Allen Robinson. Uh, I I think Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller are a dynamic duo in the making. Uh, They were excellent towards the tail end of last year. 
uh, to help Trubisky out, or I guess in this case it would be Foles. Uh, and then David Montgomery as well. I mean, I just think this is a young kind of running back receiving core. Um, but I think Allen Robinson can really set the tone for them offensively and have a really productive year. And so that's why I'm going to go with him. Yeah. All right. Seems legit. And then finally, we have a team that we were kind of pretty hyped on uh, until uh, Matthew Stafford got hurt, the Detroit Lions. Uh, what is your thought process on where they are in terms of a culture uh, with this organization under Matt Patricia? Apparently not. Apparently it's not a good culture because they've had a lot of they've had a lot of big name players skedaddle like they it seems like players don't want to be there you know mm-hmm. unlike other teams where players will beg to go to these teams i mean it i've from what i've heard Matt Patricia does not create a very good team environment. I think that was really clear with the Darius Slay saga that we had for like a month here over the, over the off season. It was pretty clear that he was unhappy there. Um, I do feel that Patricia has created a good culture, but again, to, to have a good culture where players want to stay there is a different thing because you got to win to do that and they finished with three wins last year. Um, I think this is a make-or-break year for Patricia. The more I think about it, the more I feel like if they don't finish the season with a 9-7 and seven or above, because honestly 9-7 and seven can now in this new playoff system get you to the playoffs. If they don't finish 9-7, and seven, Matt Patricia's out of here. And yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know how right it is. We've had countless discussions about you know, what, like giving coach, giving a coach at the time to build. But I think this is the last year. This team at points last year, we've had discussions last year about what week six, week seven. We we're like, we like Stafford and we like where this team is heading. But again, if they don't win this year, I yeah. think I think it's time to move on. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think having Stafford back healthy will definitely help um, because I do think he's one of the more underrated guys in the league. Um, I mean, the di- the difference, and I'm just going to segue, he is my expected player, by the way, mm-hmm. because the difference that he makes is so noticeable because, you know, when he, before he was injured, they went 3-1-1, one, one, I believe. Um, and they were like in, I think they were first or second in the division at one point. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. And then he left, and they didn't win again. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, I think they have the, but and their draft is pretty good too. I think, um, you know, so I think that they have, they definitely have the potential to to win, you know, nine or 10 games, but who knows what they really will, you know, just because of their culture and whatever, because that's a big question mark, obviously. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, 
Brandon, who's your X factor for this group? Um, I'm going to agree with Shane on this one. I think uh, Stafford. Yep. Um, I look at this running back position too, and it's one of the more interesting ones with DeAndre Swift and Carryon Johnson. It appears that they want to go with both of them. Uh, Brandon, how do you feel about how Matthew Stafford is going to look at the running back position behind him with both of these guys in the backfield? You mean Matthew Stafford at the quarterback position? Right. Yes. Yeah. With Swift and carry on behind him. Excuse um, me. Probably won't do as much throwing of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the sense that they'll probably be going with a lot more passing to running back plays or two back plays. Yeah, you for know. sure. For sure. I, yeah. I think they're going to try and do something tricky, but which is not what they should be doing. They should be just trying to get down, get like actual plays down pat before, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Galladay is so important to their success offensively. Looking at this defense, it, it, it has New England blueprint written all over it. I mean, Danny Sheldon, they brought in Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, uh, you have Desmond Trufant, who's supposed to be the replacement of uh, of Slay. Jeff Okuda, who they brought in. And you know what? That's going to be my expected player, Jeff Okuda. This defense is exciting because they have Okuda. Okuda is an exciting player. He's so fast, really physical. I, I, I just love him as an all-around corner. He was one of the best true athletes in the draft, and I think he's going to make a big impact for them at, in the secondary. Um, I think that this defense is – kind of let them down at time at a good portion of times last year it looks to be rebuilt with frenzy in the draft so i think that okuda if he plays well can really help this defense uh improve tremendously yeah yep for sure i really liked that pick mm-hmm. getting okuda and he yeah. was so excited yeah how, how do you guys feel about this defense, too? Because it definitely looks a lot more rebuilt at, at uh, you know, first glance here uh, than it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, the, I think the problem last year was more offensive struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, this, this is good, obviously. And having Stafford back, I think, is, is a – Nice addition as well, obviously. All right, and that is it. That's our that's our rundown for today. Uh, no, the record predictions. Oh yes, the record prediction. Why am you I forgetting? Why am I forgetting that two weeks in a row? I apologize. Jeez. I sincerely apologize. That was a bad move by me. I gotta write it down on the outline I'm gonna, now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you off your own show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Jeez, <laughs> what the heck am I doing? All right, record predictions for the NFC North. Um, Shane, would you like to go first? You know what? I would love to. I had a hard time coming up with record predictions for this division because I'm all over the place with it. So I'll just say this much to start. I think, I think uh, Green Bay and Minnesota will finish first and second. 
I don't know which one will be first and which one will be second. I just know it'll be those two. And then, uh, um, can you give me can you give me a, a concrete decision on that? Like, if you were if you were a betting man and had and I, you had to bet five dollars on who would be yes. first in this division, who would you put? Okay, I'll go Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I'd say Green Bay. I think. I think they'll finish around eleven and five. And Minnesota at about ten and six. And I think it'll be pretty close. And then third. Honestly, I'm gonna say Detroit at eight and eight. And then Chicago, I think, will win uh maybe six or seven. So like seven and nine, you would think for that? Yeah, probably. Uh, Brandon, you're you're up for NFC North prediction. I'm going to agree with Shane, except I'm going to flip Minnesota and Green Bay. Yeah. And I'm going to have Chicago be like five and – I guess five and twelve. I think five or seven. Five and twelve for the Bears. Interesting. Yeah. Five and eleven. There's. Oh yeah, five and eleven. Yes, five and eleven. No, there's sixteen still. Really? Yeah, sixteen yeah. still. Oh, that's right. There's seventeen weeks with a bye. Mm. Mm-hmm. You dumb dumb. I am a dumb dumb. And then, uh, where would you put Detroit? Oh, third. Uh, Detroit is third for you? Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, where would what you put... You, Robert? I don't know yet oh. with this division. I, I honestly think Minnesota is the better team, so I'll agree with you guys on that. Um, I, or I agree with Brandon on that. I just think that the top of this division, I really am, am hyped to see Detroit as well. Uh, I think Detroit does have a solid chance to go 9-7, and seven, but I do feel like Green Bay and Minnesota could definitely be flip-flopped. Um, what's your record for Detroit, Brandon? Oh, eight and eight. Eight and eight for Detroit. So eleven and five for Minnesota, ten and six for Green Bay as well. Yep. All right. Yep. I I, I feel like the those two are the clear winners in this division. I just wonder about the quarterback. I I wonder about the quarterback play for Minnesota, of course, and then with Green Bay. I think defense has to be a key for them to be successful. Yes, the receivers are important, but for them to be truly successful to be have Super Bowl aspirations for the Packers, they have to get the defense right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and that is now it. I'm going to write down the fact that we have record predictions. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> two weeks in a row. What am I doing? Yeah, what I, are you doing? I don't know, man. I am sorry. I feel bad about it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so that is it for this week's show. Uh, Definitely a tough first few minutes there, uh, but it was a great show overall. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon. And actually, we'll be, we'll be back uh, tomorrow for UFC 250 post-show. We're back at it again talking some UFC. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, John Jones and that show. I think it's more apropos for that show than this one, as we're going to be talking all UFC tomorrow after the big card between 
or the big fight, of course, between Felicia Spencer and Amanda Nunes and the rest of that card. So uh, certainly going to be fun tomorrow and then back to our normal schedule on Friday as well. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. And same with you, Brandon. And same with you, Shane. Thanks for a great Thank show, you. guys. Thank you. It was a fun time. Yep. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you, we'll see you all tomorrow, everybody.